Well, I am excited about being here. As Johnny said, our pastor is away on vacation, so be in prayer uh, for him. And uh, I hope you had an incredible Christmas, a, mer- a very Merry Christmas. And I hope you had a, a wonderful time with family and uh, just, uh, just a chance to, to love one another and see some family members maybe you hadn't seen in some time. And so I'd hope you had an incredible Christmas. And here we are, a day and a half away from 2019, and uh, maybe you have some New Year resolutions. Uh, Hopefully you won't follow the path of that video up there. Um, But it's hard to believe that one more year, 2020, it doesn't even sound right coming off my lips. But life is moving fast, and, uh, and, and we have a new year coming up. And as we ring in this new year, uh, I, I hope it's going to be a breakthrough year, year for you. I really do. And uh, some of you need a breakthrough in, jo- in your job. Uh, I know there are some in this church who, who are without jobs, who are in a job that they do not want to continue in. And, and I, I hope you have a breakthrough in your vocation this year. I really do. I hope God will step in and, and help you there. Maybe some of you need a breakthrough in your relationships. Maybe you got some relationships with a family member or a neighbor or uh, a coworker that, that you, need, you need help on. You need a breakthrough this year. Uh, some of you need some breakthroughs in the area of finances. Uh, I hope some of you can have that and experience that breakthrough and, and maybe, maybe finish 2019 debt-free because of a breakthrough. Some of you need a breakthrough in your health. Um, I know I got some friends of mine that 2018 was not a good year in terms of health. Just a lot of issues and just praying for a breakthrough in 2019 that, that uh, you'll have an, uh, a great year in terms of your health. And we can go on and on about these breakthroughs that, that we want. And we're not the only ones. Uh, a lot of companies and, and uh, these technology people, they, they want to see a breakthrough. And so I, I thought I would just give you a couple breakthroughs. Uh, that may, may happen, not is going to happen, hear me, not is going, but may happen in 2019. And the first one is a foldable smartphone. Now, if they can come up with this, and it's affordable, I'll be the first one in line. Because I have been accused by family members and friends that I pocket dial a lot. I don't even know I'm pocket dialing you, but they say I am, and I don't even know that. So give me a flip phone. That's a smartphone, and I'll buy it. So that's a, that's a breakthrough that I think uh, if they can pull it off, it'll be a success. They're also saying that we may see Uber self-driving cars in 2019. Now, I've never taken Uber. I, I'm a little worried about getting in the car with somebody I don't know and trusting them to take me where I need to go. Now you want me to get into a car that nobody's driving? No. So I'm not going to, if, if that breakthrough happens, I'm not going to enjoy that one in 2019. I can promise you that. Never will I enjoy that one. Uh, also, let me back up, contact lens that you can pop in and they'll do a health checkup for you. How about that? You don't even need to go to the doctor anymore. Just pop in the contact lens, take them back, and they tell you what's wrong with you. Now, I used to wear a contact, that one I would do. That one I would do. Uh, translator earbuds. <laughs> Follow with me. You can put these 
smart ear, earbuds in your, in your ears. Somebody can be speaking in Spanish, and you can get a translation in English. Now, all Americans are not bilingual or trilingual. We're just one language. And for some Americans, we're Southern on our, on our language. And so we need help. So that one I would buy if it's affordable. Biological treatments for cancer using engineered T cells. Now, this one is fascinating, and I'm not a doctor, so let me say that first. But they, uh, they can put these engineered cells into your body that tell your body that cancer is a bad thing. Because right now, when you have cancer, your body doesn't think it's bad. These make your immune system kick in and fight the cancer. And uh, again, if you want to know more about that, Google it, because that's all I can tell you, okay? But that is, uh, that is a fascinating thing. And, and by the way, when you start reading on it, you realize you're not real smart either, okay? So that's, uh, that's a biological treatment for, for cancer that we may see uh, in 2019. Also, 3D printing for metal and patient-specific uh, medical products. We've already know, know that we can do it in plastics, but now they're getting to the point where they can do it in metals, where these companies won't need to have a, a large inventory. They can just make the part right there on site for whatever they need. Uh, prosthetic, whatever, whatever is needed for the patient, that technology is uh, available and should be uh, in, in 2019. Spray on skin to heal burns. How about that one? You know, if anybody's ever had a friend or know someone that's had a, a severe burn, uh, third degree, that's a very, tra very painful thing to treat. But they're coming out with this skin that you can just spray onto those, onto those burns. So fascinating stuff, amazing stuff. Again, may happen in 2019. And then computers, our smart computers will, will break a barrier. The X flop barrier, which you probably don't know. That is a million trillion calculations in one second. If you want to know what that number looks like, it's one with 18 zeros. Can do that many calculations in a second. I can't even get my mind around that. So those are some of the breakthroughs. Um, so I hope you have a, a breakthrough year. But the most important question of all is not if you're going to have one of these breakthroughs or get to enjoy one of these breakthroughs that we talked about. The most important question is, will 2019 be a spiritual breakthrough year for you? Because the truth of the matter is, if you look back at your life, you look back this past year and the year after, before that and the year before that, if you're honest with yourself, you probably would say there hadn't been much of a change in my spiritual life. We need a breakthrough. We're living in such an anti-Christian, um, anti-God culture. We, we got to have a breakthrough. We got we to start acting like Christians ought to act. And so I want to talk to you this morning about some instructions to help you have that new year. Instructions to help you have that breakthrough year that we all need to experience. Well, turn in your Bible if you want to to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, we're going to look at um, verses 16 through 22. I have that in your notes if you would like to follow. But let me give you a little context <clears throat> about this book, an incredible book that Paul wrote. One of his first books that he wrote uh, to this young church in Thessalonica, and they were having some problems with persecution. 
And so Paul writes him to encourage them to stand firm, to stand strong in the face of persecution, which I think is a good word for us today. I think we're going to see more and more persecution of Christians as the day goes on. He also talks to them about having um, just the, the hope and the for, and the glorious, for the glorious return of Jesus Christ. In fact, 1 Thessalonians, every chapter, all five chapters, has teaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so he's telling these people to stand firm in persecution and hold on and, and wait for the glorious return of Jesus Christ. And then at the very end of his letter, he gives these very short instructions on how to live the Christian life. And I want, I want to take those instructions and I want us to kind of walk through each, each one of them and see what God may be telling us today in 2019, uh, how we should live and how we should imply them to our lives. So, so follow along there in your, in your notes um, as I read the scripture, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. Rejoice Always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So very short, short uh, instructions that, that Paul give us. And, and what I want you to realize, these, these eight activities, these eight instructions, um, they are in the form of an imperative. And that's important because that is a command. In other words, Paul is saying, these aren't suggestions for you. These are commands for you. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, this is what you should do with your life. And not only are they in the form of a command, uh, if you look at the, the verse, it's present tense calling for a continuous action. So this is not a one-time suggestion. Paul says, this is how you should live your life every day. And so as I go through these instructions, I hope you can remember that this is, again, this is not a suggestion. This is, this is command from the Word of God on how we are to live. And I promise you, if you apply these things to your life, you will experience a spiritual breakthrough in your year. So let's start with the first one. The first one on these instructions for a new year is be joyful. The Bible says rejoice Always. That it, in fact, in the Greek, that is actually shorter than Jesus wept. This is the shortest verse in the Bible. Rejoice always. Now, when I think about that, you first need to understand the difference between joyful, being joyful, and being happy. Because joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness depends a lot on your circumstances. Joy depends on your relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say that it is a prerequisite to joy, for joy is the relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just stop right there. I'm a firm believer. You will never, ever, ever 
experience the joy that's talked about in this book without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't do it. I don't know where a lot of you are. We got some family members here from out of town and friends. I, I don't know where you all, all are, but the most important thing that I can tell you is your life will go nowhere without Jesus Christ. He is the answer. We have the answer. It's Christ and Christ alone. And you will never be able to experience the joy that Paul is talking about without first knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. See, joy is the mark of, of one who has experienced God's transforming grace in their life. I know what that's like. I experienced that back in 1990, and God radically changed me. He transformed me. He made me into a new creation. And I'm joyful for what Christ has done for me. And when you stop and think about what Christ has done for you, my friend, we should never be one to grumble or complain. If we would just continually remember how God has blessed us, then we would never grumble or complain. Now, I'm preaching to myself, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably preaching to some of you too, because you let your circumstances oftentimes dictate how you feel. We're talking about a true joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Paul said again in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say rejoice. Now, when I read this, and I know a little bit about Paul, and I read like 2 Corinthians 11 and see all that Paul went through for Christ. Yet here he is saying, rejoice. Be, be joyful. Be joyful when you come meet people, when you come in contact. Don't be a grumbling and complaining about everything. Be joyful. And if you're having trouble on, on thinking about things to be joyful for, let me give you some reasons. Some reasons that you can just keep before you and go back to when you're having a hard time being joyful. Remember, we have eternal life that can, that, and can never lose it. Jesus Christ has saved you. And your eternity is secured in heaven, not because of what you have done, but what, because of what Christ has done. We ought to be joyful about that. Jesus has paid the price for every sin you will ever commit and have committed. Now, I know some of the things I've done in my life, and I know some of the things that I'm ashamed of, but the Bible says that God has forgiven me. I am covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. That ought to be something to be joyful about. The Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If, Christ, if the Lord is your Christ and he is your Savior, you're not condemned. The Bible says you're innocent because of what Christ has done. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes people want to jump up and down. Because I know what I've done. But it's because what Christ has done for me, I'm not condemned. We're joint heirs with Christ. L stop and just say that again. We are joint heirs with the one who spoke the world into existence. We are joint heirs with him and will receive and share in his reward. I can't even begin to understand that. 
but I'm excited about it. I know that. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. He leads us. He guides us. He directs us. He counsels us. He convicts us. We have God in the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelled in our life if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have unlimited access to the very throne of God. No matter where you are, no matter what time it is, you have direct access to the throne of God. And God, in the sovereignty, is in control of every detail of our lives. Now, I could go on and on, but when I read those, those reasons, I can't help but smile inside. I can't help but be joyful because of what Christ has done for me. And Paul is telling us rejoice, rejoice always. You see, our rejoicing should be in the Lord, should be in what the Lord has done, continues to do, and will do in the future, regardless of our circumstances or our feelings. I've met a lot of joyful people. And every time I'm around someone who's joyful, who's, who's just uh, uh, an encouragement, uh, I, I'm always, I always feel better when I leave. And I can go around. Ken Terry back there is one of the guys I like being around. He's joyful. And he, he encourages me. You know what? You can be the same way. Be joyful to those you come in contact with. Don't complain about everything and don't grumble. Now, that's harder to do sometimes because there are just some people that require extra grace, you know? I, I, I got them in my life too. You're not the only ones. But be joyful. Be joyful. Let them see the joy of Jesus Christ in your life. That's what Paul said. If you want to have a, a, a breakthrough year, be joyful. Paul also says, be prayerful. He says, pray without ceasing. Now, let's make sure we understand what that phrase means. I, I can tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean to be on your hands and knees 24 hours a day, day after day, praying, 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 praying. If you do that, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. You're going to lose your job and everything else. So that's not what he's saying to do. Or is he saying to, to, to walk around every day praying and totally disregarding what anybody else is saying? All you're doing is just praying, praying, praying. No, I don't think that's what he means when he says pray without ceasing. So what does he mean? What does he mean? I, I think for me, it's this command to pray without ceasing is to be mindful that we are ever present with God throughout the day. And that we are continually interacting with him in prayers as we move from task to task. We all have things that we have to do in life. We have a family to take care of and provide for. So this, this continually interacting with God is what we should do throughout the day as we move from task to task. Now you may be saying, well, I'm not sure I totally understand what you're talking about. So let me try to give you some simple things to do to pray without ceasing that you can apply in your life. And the first thing is to walk with God. So make sure you understand what I'm saying here. When you go out for a walk, maybe you do that for exercise, pray. When you get out of your car and you walk into work, pray. 
when you're walking around going in the grocery store, pray. Walk with God. And when you walk with God, pray. Look for those opportunities to pray. Maybe, you need, maybe it's running with God. Maybe when you're on the treadmill, take off the music and pray. Maybe when you're running from this thing to the next thing, pray. Pray. When you, maybe you want the, the, the spirit, I mean, the exercise people who can go out and run a couple miles, pray. Walk with God. Run with God. Another way, drive with God. A lot of you drive to Charlotte every day. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I am so glad I don't have to drive to Charlotte every day. I go up there enough to see the, to the hospitals, and I know just how bad that is. And I know, as that video mentioned, road rage. I can see how that happens. But you know what? When you drive, when you're on that drive and it's a parking lot, pray. Pray. Don't get mad. There's nothing you can do to make it better. Nothing. So pray. Just spend that time to pray without ceasing. Also, wait with God. When you're waiting in the doctor's office and you feel like you've lost another year of your life has passed by, don't complain. Pray. When you're waiting through the drive-thru and it's taking forever, or you're at the bank as I was the other day, and it took 20 minutes to do a two-minute job, I had to remind myself, pray, 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 because I really wanted to say something, and that's not what I need to do. So pray. Wait with God. Pray. Pray. Pray without ceasing. And then hide out with God. Sometime during the day, find you a place where you can get alone and not be distracted, not have to worry about all this. You just get along with your Heavenly Father crawl up in his lap and let him love on you and you just pray. So these are simple things to do. Simple things to help you pray without ceasing. And Paul is, is encouraging us to do this because he understands it puts us in constant communication with God. And it aligns our minds and our hearts with God. And what I love about uh, prayer is, think about it for a second. It's an incredible conversation that connects, connects man to God and earth to heaven. Think about that for a second. And Paul was saying, pray. Pray without ceasing. Be prayerful. And I can tell you this, my life is immeasurably better when I am prayerful about everything. Not when I'm complaining about everything, but when I'm praying about everything. So, Paul tells us, be joyful and be prayerful. He also says to us to be thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances to God and Christ Jesus for you is what the Bible says. And, and uh, when I read that verse, I want you to understand and make sure you follow uh, along with me what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that we are to give thanks in all things, not for all things. And there is a big difference. You know, I am, my heart breaks often when I read what's going on in this world and the hurt and the evil that's out there. 
And we aren't to give thanks for those things. We're to give thanks in those things because we serve a God who's much bigger than any bad thing that will ever happen. We serve a God who is able to bring good out of bad. We serve a God who's able to work in ways that we will never understand. So give thanks. Give thanks in all things, not for all things. And when I start thinking about that, I I know I'm thankful that I serve a God who's bigger than any circumstance I'll ever face, any problem I'll ever have to uh, face or challenge any challenge in my life. And, and when I start thinking about just how incredible my God is, it, it, it makes me want to just praise him. And I mean, this, this Thanksgiving, this, this rises up in my heart. And I think it's a, I think true Thanksgiving is an issue of the heart. If you're not thankful for what God has done and how God has worked in your life and how God has brought you through, how he's been faithful to you, there's a heart problem. There's a heart problem. And you may need to get along with God and talk to him about that. I mean, Paul says in Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And true gratitude is knowing that there is a God who is bigger than our circumstances. And let me just stop for a second and just share a testimony. I, I'm often around people who are going through some difficult times, health-wise, maybe just lost a loved one. And I am truly um, blessed when I come across those people who, looking at their circumstances, it's bad, but you would never know it looking at their life because they're thankful. Um, they just encourage me because I tell you, when, you, when your health has been bad and it's been a bad year and it's been going on and on and on and on, you begin to get really drugged down. And it's hard to say to be thankful and to give thanks in all circumstances. I'm going to share one name, Dorothy Harriman. Many of y'all know her. And she has been an encouragement to me. She has been in and out of the hospital since I've been on staff. That's 15 years. In and out. She's had more health challenges than anybody else I have ever known. And yet when I'm around her, she is smiling. She is pleasant. And she's got more reasons to complain to God because of her health, but she's never done it. Oftentimes ask me how I'm doing, how my family is doing. Here she is laid up in the hospital bed. And it's been time and time again when I have visited her. And I am thankful for people like that, who can give thanks to God in all circumstances, not just when life is good, but when life is in the dumps, they give thanks to God. Help us to be like that. Help us to be thankful uh, people when we come in contact with those um, that we can encourage. And we serve a God that's bigger than any circumstance. And I don't know what you got going on in your life. And you may, be in a, you may be in a tough situation, but I'm telling you right now, God is bigger than any circumstance in your life. If he can take a rock and kill a giant, if he can take a rod, a stick, and part the waters, I believe he can take care of your problems. That's the God we serve. And we need to be thankful. So give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. 
So we got to be joyful. We got to be prayerful. We got to be thankful. The Bible says we also need to be mindful. Do not quench the spirit is what the Bible says. Now to succeed and have that breakthrough year, we need to be mindful of the things that we do that could put out the spirit, God's spirit in our life. Now make sure you understand what the Bible is saying here. To quench the spirit is to put out the work of the spirit in our lives, not the person of the spirit. When those who have given their life to Jesus Christ at the day of their salvation, the Bible says they are sealed with the Holy Spirit. They are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit takes residence in their life. Your body is now a temple and you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And God desires for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But we can quench the Spirit with our sin and our disobedience. Paul has kind of put in the illustration of a fire. You know, if you want to put out a fire, you, you deprive it of its oxygen or you put something on it to put it out. Warren Wiersbe said, the fire of the Spirit must, go, must not go out on the altars of our heart. The fire of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And there are a lot of things that we allow in our lives that prevents us from being filled. And there are many ways that we can hinder the ministry of the Holy Spirit with our sin and our disobedience. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 30 and 32, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. All these sins he's talking about, let them be put away so you won't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. So what quenches the Spirit? What do we do in our life that would quench this Spirit? Because Paul's saying, do not quench the Spirit. I think what we do is when we, we ignore God's commands. We've read things in God's Word. We've heard things in God's Word. We've heard it preached. We've heard it taught. But we don't do it. We just ignore it. Some of you just ignore this book in, totally. You never read it. You never study it. You, never, you just... You just have it as something to put in your hand and put on a shelf when you get home. We ignore God's commands. We refuse to repent of known sin. There is unconfessed sin in our life that we just refuse to deal with. Some of the sin is there because of our pride and our arrogance and because we think we deserve to be able to act and do what we're doing. You need to repent of that sin. Sometimes we refuse to do what God is telling us to do, to do. You know, maybe God's telling you that you need to walk across the street. Not go around the world. Walk across the street and talk to that neighbor of yours. Love on them. But you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. That makes me uncomfortable. When God's prompting you to do something and you refuse to do it, that is going to quench the spirit. It's going to grieve the spirit. And we remain unwilling to forgive Someone's hurt you, and because they have hurt you, all you're doing is it's getting bitter and bitter, and you refuse to deal with that. You refuse to pray to God and ask him to forgive you of your sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that 
uh, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness if you would just confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive you. Don't, don't ignore him. All you're doing is quenching the Holy Spirit work in, in your life. You know, we should long for the Spirit. We should long to be not just indwelt with the Spirit, but filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so that it will have full access of our life and be able to work in and through us. That should be the desire of every one of us. So Paul is saying, be mindful. Do not quench the Spirit. Paul also says to be watchful. Do not despise prophecies. Now, there are a lot of different interpretations of prophecies. And this is beyond the scope of this message to get into all of that. But where I come from, there's a Greek, the Greek word for prophecies most often used refers to Scripture. And so when I read this, I'm talking, I'm talking about the authoritative messages from the Word of God, the Scripture that we have in His Holy Bible. And when he says, do not despise, this word despise means to make of no account or to reduce. What Paul is really saying is, do not despise the Word of God. Do not despise the scriptures that are in this book. I often say all the time when I teach and when I preach, you do not have the right to bore someone with the Word of God. It is too important. It is too important. And I think as believers, when the Word of God is preached, when the Word of God is taught, when the Word of God is read, it is to be received with great seriousness. This is God's instructions for us. This is, this is the owner manual that God wrote for us on how to live our life. And we, need, we never need to despise prophecies. And when I think about that, uh, I think about some people who misuse God's word, and we'll talk more about that, but the main way that we despise prophecy is just to neglect, neglect or ignore the Bible's message by not doing what it says. See, there's two things about this book. Some people just don't understand it because they refuse to really dig into it to try to understand it, and there are those who understand it but don't do what it says to do. And when you do that, you're despising the Word of God. I never want my, I never want it to be said of me that I despise the Word of God. This is the most precious thing I have in my life. Outside of my salvation in Christ. So don't despise prophecies. And the main way we do that is to neglect or, or ignore what it says. So Paul moves on to be truthful. He says, test everything in the first part of verse 21. And as I read that, it kind of just flows in real good with do not despise uh, prophecies, but test everything. Now, now, let me tell you something. Some of you may not know this. Just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. <laughs> let me say that one more time. Just because you read something on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Just because you heard somebody on TV say something doesn't make it true. What makes it true is this. I tell people all the time, 
you, you validate. You check behind me with what I say. You test everything that I say. And if I'm in disagreement with the Word of God, I am wrong. And there's danger in these pastors that pull verses out of context. And they'll pull a verse from here out of context, and here, and here, and here. And then they'll twist it together and try to come up with some new insight and meaning. Be careful. That's why I gave you context on the book of Thessalonians. We are to give context when we teach. Test everything. Don't just pick out verses you like because God's word is not a buffet line where you pick what you want and leave everything else there. It's not. We have the whole counsel of God in our hands and we're expected to test everything that we hear. God's word is the true measurement of truth. And anything you hear, you validate it with the word of God. And if there's disagreement, the word of God is right. And whatever you heard from whoever you heard it from is wrong. Now, one of my heroes of the Bible, of, of um, uh, pastors that are still alive is, is Jerry Vines. And Jerry Vines came out with a, an incredible, what I call truthful test. And I'm going to give it to you. I think this is an easy thing to remember. Again, I want to try to give you application to what we're talking about today. He says, test everything. He says, there's the Savior test that you need to do. Does it properly honor and exalt the person and the work of Jesus Christ? If whoever is saying something that does not exalt, lift up the name of Jesus Christ, there's a red flag for you. may not be true. The Scripture test. Is the teaching consistent with the whole Bible's instruction or doctrine in that area? In other words, don't just pull out a verse out of context and make this statement. You make sure that it is in agreement with the doctrine and the teaching in that area. And does the teaching attempt to take away or add to God's word? If it does, it fails the scripture test. And there's also the the spirit test is the teaching in concert with the ministry of the Holy Spirit as revealed in God's word. And finally, there's the saints test. What have and what do mature godly teachers, students of scripture say about this? You know, if, if one person is saying this and all these other scholars are saying this, there's a good possibility that this one's wrong. But listen, make sure you, 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 you rely on good, godly scholars. You know, I used to think, well, I don't need any, anybody to help me. I just, I just had the Word of God. Well, that's just being immature is what that is. There are people like Warren Wiersbe who have studied the Bible longer than I've been alive. And he is so, so knowledgeable and Charles Stanley and David Jeremiah and on and on I can go. These godly men who speak to me, Adrian Rogers, Jerry Vines, they speak to me. I, I value what they say. And if they're all in agreement and this one person over here is totally opposite, odds are he's failed the saints test. So test everything. The Savior test, the Scripture test, the Spirit test, and the saints test. Be truthful. Test everything. Seventh thing is also be grateful. Be grateful. 
And the Bible uses language sometimes we don't use, hold fast what is good. And basically what that means to, to hold fast to what is good, it means to hold on. That's probably a better way we can remember it is to hold on to those good things in life. That's what hold fast means, to hold on. And when you discover the incredible riches of God's word, his promises, these good things, hold on. And when I say hold on, I don't mean just think about it. I mean get it inside of you. Meditate. Memorize. Get the word of God inside of you. Hold on to those good things that God has given you. But don't just hold on. Don't just keep it. Share it. And most importantly, don't let it slip away. I know I'm guilty, and probably you are too, where you learn something, a great verse or, or, or insight or a promise, but you didn't get it inside of you and you forgot it. How many times have you been talking to someone, you know what the Bible says? And then you're like, I don't remember what it says. So you go to your concordance. Oh, Lord, please, please be a word in there that I can find it. Because you don't know the word of God. Get it in you. Hold on to it. Share it. People need to hear the good things of God. You be grateful. You hold fast. And when you find something good, you embrace it. You embrace it. There's a lot of bad things out in this world. But there's a lot of good things in this world. And when you find those good things, you embrace it. You embrace it. So, finally get to the last instructions for the breakthrough year. And it says, be careful. Abstain from every form of evil. I know some of you are going, wow, why did he keep that one last? I think because of a reason. Paul was living in the evil world. And guess what? We are too. And I could go on and give you stats about just how ungodly this world is. I'm not going to do that. But I think you all know just from reading the word of God, we need to be careful in how we live, where we go, what we do, what we watch, what we hear, on and on I can go. We need to be very, very careful. Paul says, abstain from every form of evil. Why? Because evil will destroy your life. It will destroy the spiritual growth of your life. If you allow evil things to begin to come into your life by what you're hearing, by what you're seeing, by what you're doing and who you're talking with, it'll begin to have an impact on your growth, your spiritual growth. So we need to repent of those things. Public sins, private sins, repent Repent and God will, will forgive you because if you allow sin to, to stay in your life and you refuse to deal with it, it begins to try to take over. And when sin sits on the throne of our lives, devastation and destruction follows. I've seen this time and time again in people's lives. People that were in the church, people that I looked at as leaders and they just begin to walk away. And they begin to allow things of the world and sin enter in their life. And, and now they're as far from God as anyone could be. God gave us a standard. 
by which we're to measure and judge all things. If we do not know it or use it, we'll never be able to abstain from every form of evil. Now, let me just say one more thing about this. Don't you, don't you flirt with sin. Don't you test these sinful things. Don't you, don't you put yourself in a position where you can fall because if you do, you will. That's why Paul says, abstain, flee from this. Don't try to compromise it. Don't try to say, justify it. It's sin and you need to abstain from all these sinful things. Now that's hard in a world full of sin. That's hard. But you stay in this word. You stay, you stay in the word of God and you get, you get instructions on how to live your life. And when you do sin, you repent. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you and cleanse you of all, all unrighteousness. But don't ignore that sin. Don't flirt with sin. Don't try to justify sin. It's sin and it offends a holy and righteous God. And that's why I think Paul at the last abstain from every I hate to say evil. Every form of evil. And there are so many forms in our world today that's evil. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. With Christ reigning over our lives and the Holy Spirit empowering our life and the Word of God directing our life, we can overcome evil. We can overcome the temptations that come our way. So wow, a big list. Paul says, if you want to have a breakthrough year, be joyful, be prayerful, be thankful, be mindful, be watchful, be truthful, be grateful, and be careful. And you're like, how in the world am I going to remember that? Well, if you're like me, you're not. But what you can do is take those verses we talked about. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. It's a small passage. Put it in your phone. Or if you're like me, go old school, write it on an index card. Put it on your dash. Put it in front of your computer. And remind yourself of how it is to live the Christian life. And if I want to experience a breakthrough this year, here's the instructions God has given to me. And you don't have to get everything done by January 2nd, 2019. Not going to happen. That's what I love what Abraham Lincoln said. The best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. That's the best thing about the future. So, one day at a time. Take these, take these verses, and if you want to put them in the terms that you can remember, be prayerful, mindful, watchful, careful, all those things we talked about, that's fine. But just take the Word of God, and just, when you, next time you're in that bank line like I was, and it is, it is moving at a snail's pace, and you don't understand why, and why is this person trying to do a year's worth of banking and drive through, and it should gone inside, and you're like, mm, pray, pray, pray. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. That was a lesson for me because I wanted to light in somebody. This is ridiculous. But pray. Be joyful. Man, we, we serve a risen Savior who can change your life, who makes your life worth living. You ought to be joyful about that. Grateful, all these things. It's one day at a time. One day at a time. 
applying, reading, earning the Word of God. I love also what Oswald Chambers said. He says, the golden rule for growing in the spiritual matters is not intellect, but obedience. Yeah, you can know all this stuff. You can even memorize this passage in Ephesians. But that's just part of it. Doing it is what's important. Being obedient to the word of God. So, we started off with our passage about breakthroughs. Uh, We looked at some breakthroughs that may happen in 2019. But as we have gone through these eight instructions on how to have a breakthrough year, the question is, will 2019 be a spiritual breakthrough year for you? Are you going to make that a priority in your life? Are you just going to keep on going the same way you've been going year after year after year? I want you to have a breakthrough year. I want to have a breakthrough year. Take these things from God's word and apply them to your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible passage of scripture. Very simple, very short, but very, very powerful. So Father, I just pray that um, we wouldn't walk, walk out of here saying, oh, that was good, but we'd walk out of here challenged, challenged to apply the word of God to our lives. And Father, I just pray that, uh, Lord, that that we'll be seen as Christians who are joyful, who are grateful, who are careful in what we do. Lord, I I pray people will see a difference in us because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And Father, as I said earlier, the prerequisite for joy is relationship with Christ. Father, I think there are some sitting here today that do not know you as Lord and Savior. They may just be playing a church game. They may just be coming here because it's the holidays and they've come with a family or friend. But the truth of the matter is they don't know you as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray they'd realize that they are a sinner who has offended a holy and righteous God and because their sin has separated them from God and there is nothing they can do about their sin. Father, I pray that they'd put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and what he did with his resurrection. And Father, I pray they would realize that it is only through Christ that I can be forgiven, that I can be saved. And so Father, I don't know who that person is, but I pray right now you begin to deal with them. Father, move. I pray that your spirit would just move and work. As we prayed earlier, I pray it would just show out. So, Father, we just, again, thank you for these instructions. Thank you for uh, these incredible, incredible uh, things that we can do to have a spiritual breakthrough in our 2019. Lord, we love you and praise in Christ's name. Amen.